0: A few notes before we get started. This is Episode 2. If you're just coming to the story, I suggest you go back and listen to Episode 1. Everything will make a lot more sense. Also, this podcast has content about sexual violence and may not be suitable for all listeners. For information or resources, go to www.rainn.org. Finally, a note about the use of the term sexual assault in this series. Sexual assault has a colloquial meaning— and can also be a legal term. Its legal definition varies across the U.S. and in different countries, including in Spain. In this podcast, when a woman describes what happened to her, we use the terms and descriptions she has used in her
1: words. My dad's an accountant, so he loves Excel. And I studied art, so I don't know shit about Excel. So my dad was like, listen, we need to get organized. For the
0: last two years, Gabrielle Vega has been trying to send the man she says raped her
1: to prison. The women come to me, and then my dad created this Excel sheet and basically broke it down by category, date, location, name, current location, description, case status. Spreadsheets are for accountants
0: or data scientists, for keeping track of financial figures like budgets,
1: taxes, billing. Submitted to police. Prepared police report. (laughs) just, like, this absurd cheat he created. For Gabrielle,
0: spreadsheets are for keeping track of all the women she believes can help her bring Manuel Blanco-Vela to justice. Last time on Motive, we talked about one of the women who ended up on Gabrielle's spreadsheet. She's number 15, highlighted in red. She's the only woman who can't tell us what happened
1: to her. I don't know how to say this, but Lauren's dead. It was just like, time stopped and nothing else mattered anymore. They thought it was just a uh, bad luck of an American student in Spain, and she had an accident. In
0: 2015, Lauren Bajoric fell off of Manuel's apartment balcony and died. Though the investigating judge ruled it an accident, her death helped uncover another story about Manuel. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Candace Mattel-Kahn. This is Motive. Episode 2, Gabrielle Vega. Uh,
1: I just have, like, one question. Sure. Um, how, like... Like, how in-depth do you want me to get about, like, what happened?
0: I mean, from my perspective, um, anything you're willing to share. Yeah. Um, so it's really up to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nothing's going to make me or us uncomfortable. It's just it's it's what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. In the last year, I've talked with Gabrielle a lot, sometimes every day. As you'll come to find out, she's a big part of this story. I want to warn you, what you'll hear her talk about in today's episode is really difficult to listen to. The first time I heard it, I felt sick. Every time I hear it, I feel sick. I can't even imagine what it's like for Gabrielle to talk about it over and over again. But she does it. Amidst the pain and trauma and wishing it would just go away, she'll tell you, in no uncertain terms, what happened to her. And I want you to listen because after years of secrecy and shame, she's on a mission. She's determined to find justice. It should have been Gabrielle's first year of college. Instead, she decided to do something different, something adventurous, a study abroad year in Salamanca, Spain. So while most of her friends were driving up to big college campuses, wondering if they should rush a sorority or which meal plan to choose, 18-year-old Gabrielle was getting ready to move to a foreign country where she didn't know anyone and didn't speak the language. A few months into her semester in Spain, Gabrielle decided to take a weekend trip to Morocco with a tour company called Discover Excursions.
1: I had never been to Africa, and it was just really intriguing. It was in my budget, and I had known people who had traveled with them. I, you know, didn't have any second thoughts about it.
0: The owner of Discover Excursions, Manuel, had been leading trips for study abroad students for years. When did you first meet Manuel Blanco-Vela?
1: I think it was when we met all of the guides. He was the lead guide on my trip. He seemed like he was the guy in charge. So I'm pretty sure it was, I remember him being on the bus. Do you remember what your initial impression was of him? No, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't anyone that I really thought of. He was going to take us around. We thought, okay, cool. And that was it.
0: The group toured the Blue City, explored a beach town in Tangier, went shopping at local markets. Gabrielle remembers the beautiful mountains lining the sky. On the last night of the trip, Gabrielle and the two women she was rooming with went to the hotel rooftop bar.
1: You could see the water from there, and it was pretty dark in the bar. It, I think it had, like, green lights. It was a nicer kind of setting. I think I might have smoked a cigarette on the balcony. I had a Heineken with my roommates, and then we went back to the bar to get another drink. And I remember that swimmer Well kind of popped up. He was super friendly. I don't remember what he said to us, but it was just casual conversation. He was very attentive to all of us, and you know, it was like, "Oh, why don't we go like hang out? Like, we could go to your room and just like I'll get champagne, and we can all just drink and hang." And we all went to the room. Gabrielle
0: says Manuel got a bottle of champagne and poured glasses for everyone. Soon she says he started acting strange.
1: And it seemed like as the champagne came to the room, like it he he became like super fixated on like these games that he wanted to play and it was like he he he, he immediately became like super sexual. He started asking us how many people we'd slept with, like in a truth or dare. And I remember he asked us to switch shirts. Gabrielle
0: said she didn't want to play. She kept her shirt on. But after
1: those games, I remember he took off his pants and his shirt and, you know, sat in the bed and took a pillow and put it over him. Which was weird, and it was just getting weird, but it was also just, like, I don't know if he was just getting comfortable, and I didn't, like, it just, it never crossed my mind that this was, like, a dangerous situation.
0: Gabrielle was with two other women. She wasn't alone. She kind of just thought it was a weird encounter with someone from a different country. At this point, Gabrielle says she had had a single glass of champagne plus the Heineken from back at the bar.
1: He poured us another glass of champagne, and I I don't even know if I finished it. But I just started to get really tired, and there was a cot. And I got up from the bed and went to the cot, and I passed out. I completely fell asleep, like dead sleep.
0: Gabrielle says this dead sleep was unlike anything
1: she had ever experienced. I don't know how much time passed. I have no idea. But I woke up. Um, when I woke up, I was kind of like in this like haze. I felt like it was like I hadn't slept in weeks. It was like this pure kind of exhaustion. I remember getting up and kind of just like putting my hand against the wall and finding my way to the bathroom. And I sat on the toilet. When you sit on the toilet, it's facing the door. And I remember... Like almost immediately, the door flew open, and I just remember his crotch coming towards me and him putting himself in my mouth and then hitting me. I don't know how long after that, and I fell to the ground, and that's all I remember from it. The next morning, um, the next morning, I woke up and I felt horrible. I felt I felt, like, like sick or just out of it. I don't know what it was, and I felt like I was in pain. And my roommates were asleep, and I was in the cot again, and I was in my clothes that I was wearing the night before, and I was just so confused.
0: Gabrielle says Manuel was gone. She looked down and saw bruises on her knees. She was sore.
1: I just remember being Humiliated and petrified. I didn't know what the hell was going on.
0: Gabrielle couldn't think straight. It was like she had drunk two bottles of whiskey the night before. Her head cloudy, her heart pounding, she didn't have the energy or the time to process what was going on. The bus was leaving to take them back to Salamanca. She needed to pack up. She gathered her things and rushed down to the lobby where the other students were waiting to board the bus. She found somewhere to sit down.
1: And I remember I closed my eyes and the first thing that came to me was that, that flashback of him opening the door and putting himself in my mouth and I like immediately thought I was gonna throw up. We put our stuff in the bus and Manuel was waiting at the door of the bus as we all walked in and he just like looked over my head and never acknowledged that I was the person again. Hmm.
0: Gabrielle doesn't have memory of the entire assault. While some parts are vivid, others are completely blank. Gabrielle never got a drug test, but she now believes Manuel slipped something into her drink that night.
1: You know, I didn't notice it at the time, but like... When he poured the champagne, his back was to us. And me being myself now, I kind of think I'm an idiot for not noticing that at the time. But even the parts of that night she doesn't remember.
0: Gabrielle says she knows what happened to her. She doesn't want us to include all the details. But she says she could feel it. Physically.
1: I was sodomized. And I was raped. to put it frankly. And he was violent. And it was apparent the next morning how violent he was, the way my body reacted to it. The weird thing about it is that I kind of just went on with my day. We went to some place by the beach, and I remember there was this mural, and... I remember sitting by it and my friend took a picture of me and, you know, we were just all hanging out. And I just remember being kind of inside of myself, sort of like more reserved.
0: They drove back to Salamanca. Gabrielle kept to herself, thought about what to do. She'd only been in Spain a couple of months, so she didn't have many close friends to confide in. She asked her roommates from the trip if they could give her any more information about what happened. One told her she didn't remember the night. The other said she remembered Gabrielle being in the bathroom with Manuel, but she didn't really want to talk about it. We've reached out to both women multiple times. One said she didn't want to talk to us. The other hasn't responded. A few days after the trip, Gabrielle finally decided to tell someone a friend she'd hung out with every day in Salamanca, someone she trusted. Gabrielle asked her friend to meet her at a cafe. They sat down with coffees, and Gabrielle told her she had been raped by her tour guide. But her friend's reaction was far from what she
1: expected. She kind of made it seem like it was my fault. She kind of made it seem like I just drank a lot, and those things happen, and I just kind of... Accepted it. I kind of just accepted that as being okay. Well, you know, maybe this is my fault.
0: So this friend you told kind of just made you feel like it wasn't. It wasn't serious.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still have text messages from this person. Like she thought I was, you know, just got drunk and I was taken advantage of, and that sucks. But what are you gonna do? You know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be afraid of men your whole life? Like that's not. Like you can't, that's just that's ridiculous.
0: Gabrielle showed me the texts, and I have to say, I couldn't believe what I was reading. They made me cringe. There are a lot of messages back and forth, so I won't read all of them. But at one point her friend writes to Gabrielle, referring to the rape. You have to embrace it and move on from it, because it was a mistake. Gabrielle reminds her friend that Manuel forced himself on her. How could that be a mistake that she made? Her friend responds, what do you think you can do about it? Press charges? Never will happen. Gabrielle tells her friend that she feels helpless. Her friend writes back, Gabby, it's over with. Let it
1: pass and stop thinking about it. I was looking for her for guidance. She was, like, a couple years older than me. She lived there for a year before. And to be told that, I was like, all right, well, I just need to kind of just get over it. And I just, I think after that, I just repressed it.
0: Had you thought at all about maybe going to the police or filing a police report?
1: Never. I never once thought of going to the police. That didn't even cross my mind. Why? I don't know. That's, like, honestly the million-dollar question. Um, I was just scared. I I didn't even think about it, you know? Like, maybe if I was in the United States and that happened to me, maybe I would have gone. But I just didn't even know how to handle that situation, you know? There's no, like, playbook. And it's just... I think I was just trying to survive it, and I didn't think that the police were going to help me. I didn't even know how to say the word rape in Spanish. Like, how far was I going to get with this, you know? And after being told, like, okay, this is probably our fault, you know, we don't know how seriously rape is taken here by the police, like, that's—it just—it was not an option for me, pretty much. I didn't think about it. I didn't consider it.
0: And you didn't tell your host family either? No, I, I didn't have the words. And Gabrielle wouldn't have the words for it, in Spanish or in English, for a long time.
1: May just kind of shut up
0: after that. Until years later, something happens that makes Gabrielle feel she has no choice but to speak up. That's next. Gabrielle says she was raped in the fall of 2013. She finished her year in Spain and then started school at Florida State University as planned. We dropped her off at FSU and she just wasn't happy. Raul Vega, Gabrielle's dad, says that when Gabrielle came home from Spain that summer, she was in a really bad state. Her parents didn't know what was going on. We couldn't figure out. We thought, okay, she doesn't, you know, she's, Doesn't want to be back in the States. And we actually read about something about a lot of these kids when they come back, they kind of get depressed about having left, you know, the study abroad experience. We had no idea. Gabrielle hadn't told her parents that she had been raped. But one night at FSU, she told her best friend, Anna Maria, who she roomed with that semester. Anna Maria was shocked. I don't even remember what I said. Um, She's the first person that I know that had ever been raped. And so when she told me, I I think I just was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, and I was even hesitant to ask questions because I didn't know if she wanted to talk about it. And even though telling Anna Maria felt like a start, Gabrielle just couldn't focus that semester. She would have flashbacks of the night of her rape. She became paranoid about little things, She'd check under her bed every time she entered her room or locked the front door seven times when she got home.
1: I just would go like four days without talking to someone. Like I wouldn't even open my mouth. And I was just so in my head and I was terrified all the time. And I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't shower. I couldn't sleep. She wouldn't go to class. I was drinking a lot. She wouldn't do the work that she needed to do. I was going through kind of my own hell. I kept on thinking, you know, that this is rock bottom, like this is it. And then it would just get worse and worse and worse. Gabrielle went
0: to therapy once a week and talked about what had happened to her. She was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. She told Anna Maria about it. I always associated PTSD with something that like veterans had. So I didn't understand what it meant for someone like Gabby. When I asked Gabrielle to describe what PTSD is like, she used really clinical terms. She said she would have, quote, episodes, where she would get into a, quote, heightened emotional state, and then later, not remember what happened. I asked her what that really meant. She gave me an example,
1: the worst episode she had. I just remember waking up and being on the floor of my kitchen with a butcher knife and And being extremely scared of myself, and um Anna Maria came home like that night, and we talked about it the next day, and she was like, "Look, you gotta tell your parents like this is too much for you and um, I just called my mom, and I was you know sobbing, and she was like, What's wrong?" and I was like, Mom, I was raped, and I want to come home." And so I just left everything that day. I drove seven hours home, and I just dropped out of school. And my parents met me at the door and gave me a hug, and we just went from there. I just remember I was so relieved, and I was just, like, kind of, like, I was so fatigued and just happy that I just I didn't have to just keep it to myself anymore. It was like I could breathe. Like, it didn't go away, but I just wasn't on my own anymore.
0: Obviously, as a father, you know, your first reaction is obviously it's horrible for your daughter, but you're very angry. But she was such a mess that it was very quickly obvious that any kind of retribution or trying to get justice was not really in the cards right now because she was a complete broken down woman. So we shortly thereafter just focused on getting her head straight and getting into therapy and dropping out of school and going through that whole process. Gabrielle left school for about eight months. Her recovery process was long and difficult. Is long and difficult. Today, Gabrielle still has anxiety, and it's something that's never going to fully go away. Sexual assault, the trauma, the aftermath, it's something that became a part of her DNA, she says. Chemically changed the way she thinks. Gabrielle eventually managed to go back to school. She says she was still struggling, but it wasn't like before. She picked a major, studio art. She invested in her friendships and focused on drawing. She graduated two years later. She felt like things were finally turning around for her. Until January of 2018, when a series of coincidental events completely upended whatever calm and routine she was just beginning to find. It started on Facebook. Gabrielle was scrolling her newsfeed one afternoon when she read through a post from a former classmate of hers, an artist,
1: Liz. She posted something being like, Hey, like I'm working on an audio installation piece. People are gonna walk into a room and you know, I want like at least like ten people to send me audio talking about experiences that changed their life, and you know, that'll be playing as people enter the room. Gabrielle thought Well,
0: I have a story that changed my life. So kind of on a whim, she took out her phone and recorded a 10-minute voice note.
1: Okay, um, this is Gabrielle. I'm going to start answering your questions. I just said I went to Spain. We went on a tour with, like, a tour guide, and there were, like, about 200 of us. I was raped by a tour guide, and my tour guide... You know, drugged me and did some. Never mentioned Manuel's name. Never mentioned the company. It was just basically, just the bare bones of the story. And I sent it to her about a week later. She responded and she was like, I just want to say, you know, I'm so sorry for what happened. Um, I was in Spain last summer and something similar happened to a girl on my trip.
0: Liz told Gabrielle the trip was with a tour company called Discover Excursions.
1: And I remember I was at the art store back in South Florida, and I, like, immediately went white. I started panicking, and I texted her back, and I was like, "Um, is his name in well? And she was like, holy shit. And we sent each other pictures of him, and it was him, and I kind of just lost it.
0: Gabrielle got in touch with the woman from Liz's trip to ask her what happened. She wasn't raped by Manuel. But she said that on one of his trips, he'd tried to kiss her and push her onto the bed. That she'd felt unsafe with him. She said she felt lucky she hadn't been more drunk. She didn't report what happened. She says she was too embarrassed. The woman also told Gabrielle that she had heard something worse had happened to two other women from her study abroad program on another Discover Excursions trip. Gabrielle managed to track those two women down. They told her they'd been sexually assaulted by Manuel on a trip to Portugal.
1: I was just panicking, and um, I called my mom, and I told her, and she freaked out, and we were like, okay, well, we have to do something. I kind of took the matter into my own hands and started posting on Facebook and honestly lost all sense of, like, normal social interactions on Facebook. I was just, like, messaging. I think I messaged, like, 200 people being like, hey, I hope you're doing well. My rapist is still raping people. Please share my Facebook status. Gabrielle's Facebook status read in all caps, please
0: share. There have been multiple counts of sexual assault and sexual harassment at the company Discover Excursions located in Sevilla, Spain. Any women studying abroad who travel with this company are in danger of sexual assault. If you have any information, please contact me. Together, we can
1: end international sexual assault. I don't know what came over me. I just didn't sleep. I was messaging people all the time, trying to call people and have people share my status, and that was all I was doing for like, for like a couple of weeks. Soon. She heard from five other
0: women. And what was driving you to find all of these women?
1: Panic, anger, fear, um, grief. I was extremely sick with myself. I I felt like it was my fault. I felt like all of these girls were my fault because they were all from 2017. I can't believe i didn't say anything like why was i such a fucking idiot
0: gabrielle felt she needed to do something on a bigger platform if she could find this many women who had stories about manuel how many more might she find if she opened up the question beyond her own social network so gabrielle got in touch with a lawyer who connected her with an opportunity to share her story
1: going on a national television show, no matter how daunting it is, it it like my story and myself, it doesn't it doesn't matter at this point. It's like I need to find as many women as I can because I need to know how long this has been going on and I I I just need to find women. That was just my goal. I needed to find them. So far,
0: Gabrielle knew of eight. Two of them, Haley McAleese and Carly Van Ostenbridge, appeared with her on Megan Kelly Today on April eleventh. 2018 Welcome back, everyone. Gabrielle Vega says she was raped while on an
1: excursion to Morocco with a tour group. and as we have seen so often in these cases, soon other women were reaching out to her saying me too." Um, so let me start with you on it, Haley. what you, were you two together?
0: Yes, okay. we were um, what happened? You were studying abroad in Spain? Yes, we were in- shortly after the Megan Kelly segment aired. Upcoming Discover excursions trips were abruptly canceled and refunded. Within a few months, the company shut down. Gabrielle believed that going on national television would help her find more women. But nothing could have prepared her for just how many people she heard from. And what their reaching out would mean for her. Can you read me some of the messages that you
1: got in those first few days or weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Let me go. I'm trying to think if Facebook would probably be the best option. Oh, God. All right, so one message. I saw your posts, and I about threw up and had an emotional breakdown at work today. I am another number on that list. Fall 2011, after a weeknight discoteca party sponsored by the... Hi, you don't know me, but I just want to say thank you for speaking out. Something similar happened and to here's me. Here's another one. Hi there. I'm not quite sure what to write or how much to write. For me, it was the fall of 2012, and I was a part of the CIA. I was 21 years old and went to Spain to intern for the company for six months. The first day that I worked for him, he made me give him a massage in his underwear and then so tried to kiss me. And I wanted you to know that I was sexually assaulted by Manuel as well on one of the last nights of my time abroad. While I'm fortunate that I was not raped, and so I'm but I'd like to say that you are be beautiful be and, and brave know, and, and, know, and thank you I'm so much. I was also raped by Manuel, and I always blamed myself, but now I finally fucking know. I don't know he I'm drove me home, and I remember this. that I had lost my bra and shirt underneath my sweater, and my roommate took care of me and told me the rest. Apparently, I just walked straight into the shower and cried and was so ashamed. And there's another one that says, I was assaulted by Manuel during a night out with friends, and I believe I was drugged. One thing I kept coming back to is that I wish I'd said something. I wish I could go back in time and explain to myself that this wasn't okay and that I had every right to speak up. Thank you for having the courage to come forward and help the rest of us find some healing. So you can get—you understand where I get an email like that, and I just feel like I need to, like, take them under me and, like, help them. <laughs> yeah. How did it make you feel receiving that message? I mean, is i was was—honest—like, now reading it, I just, like, want to cry. It's just really—it's really sad. It makes me really sad. But, um— I think I kind of entered, like, a survival mode in terms of, like, my anxiousness. And when I would get emails like this, I looked at it as, like, a number that I could put in my spreadsheet.
0: A number in her spreadsheet. A color-coded spreadsheet that now has more than 50 entries. And while they aren't all accusations of sexual assault, they're all people Gabrielle believes can help her case. Next time on Motive What some of the entries on Gabrielle's spreadsheet have in common And a predatory drug is any drug that can disable a person for purposes of making them vulnerable
1: to sexual assault And what Gabrielle decides to do with it I want him to have to face consequences I want him to go to prison for a very long time
0: If you have information about this story, you can email us at motive at wbez.org. And for information and resources about sexual violence, go to www.rainn.org. Motive is a production of WBEZ Chicago. The show is produced by me, Candice Mattel-Khan. The editor is Alexandra Solomon. Additional reporting in Spain by Carmen Ibañez Espinoza. The executive producer is Kevin Dawson. Our intern is Bia Medias. This episode was mixed by Shelley Steffens and Colin McNulty. Thanks to the listeners whose financial support of WBEZ made this podcast possible.